A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story against a friend who got way too jealous. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, she stole my spot on the show, so I sabotaged her performance. My high school had a special art exhibition day where different types of artists presented a variety of artworks to the public in hopes to sell some. There were some students who would have worked hard with the arts and crafts department staff to come up with fascinating sculptures, beautiful paintings, and lovely drawings. Other kinds of artworks would also be on display. Craftsmen like bead makers, fabric designers, dressmakers, photographers, and many more would arrange their handwork on the table to show off their skill. Bags, slippers and sandals, journals, jewelry, wall hangings, and many more would be on exhibition that day. It was a fun-filled event for every student, not just because our parents gave us extra cash to buy artworks, or because of the bystanding chicken roasters and salad sellers that displayed delicious edibles on the school premises that day, but because there was one main event that every student looked forward to. It was the main attraction of the art exhibition day, the fashion pageant. I was selected to represent my team for the pageant, but somebody went behind our backs to select herself. I was not ready to give up that easily, so my next couple of moves were specifically targeted on getting her back for stealing my show, and I succeeded in making them pay. As the art exhibition day drew nearer, the scantier the classes in school became. From Form 1 right up to Form 6, gifted students were missing from teachers' periods. Some of them would resume school and stay in the art studio from morning until the last bell. The only time we got to see them was during our break. That was how seriously the school took her innate talents. Creativity was a big deal for us. The art exhibition day drawing nearer also meant the school fashion pageant was getting closer. The entire school was grouped into teams of four. The red lights, black strokes, gold glitters, and the blue paint. These four groups would have to select two individuals who would represent the team on the runway and hopefully win the crown. The male and female representatives were called kings and queens. This was arguably even bigger than being prom king and queen because the art pageant people got to change outfits for categories like casual wear, world cultures, to the main event which was evening gowns. I think people rated the art exhibition pageant queen and king more than prom kings and queens because in prom, every other student is dressed up just like the king and queen. In the pageant, every student wore their regular clothes, so the real main attractions were the pageant people, adorned in beautiful gowns or suits. It was not an ordinary beauty pageant where officials judge beauty and personality. Rather, it was another form of art exhibition. It was a fashion show where designers sewed outfits for the representatives to wear on that day. Because I was naturally gifted in dressmaking and all my team members knew it, I was selected to make my own dress and be the queen of the gold glitters. Yes, and I'm also pretty too, so that was an addition. In my school, for competitions like this, you have to show a particular teacher, the head of the pageant show, the dress you desire to sew before the actual date. 
This was done so that nobody would show up in a dress that was deemed inappropriate on school grounds and not be allowed to go on the runway. So for safety, some of my teammates and I, after choosing me, went to work on drawing the perfect dress to win the show. Meanwhile, because it was only once in a year the art exhibition was held, every tailor or seamstress strived to have their clothes presented on the runway. Some dressmakers who were not picked to design the dresses for the queen would either feel resentful or at least make sure they added design or make an adjustment so that their style would be represented on the final outcome. This was what I wish this girl, Rebecca, did rather than going behind my back to steal my spotlight. So it was the season in fashion where off-shoulder gowns were in vogue. We sketched our dresses for each category and proudly went to Miss Kane to get her feedback on the final design we came up with. With one look at our evening dress, Miss Kane decided that the off-shoulders were too low and I needed to cover up my cleavage. To get the picture, it was going to be like the hands and collar of Belle's gown in Beauty and the Beast. After hearing the feedback from Miss Kane, we were disappointed but still not ready to give up. My teammates and I continued to source the web for a beautiful style that could replace the one that was disallowed. Mind you, then I was just an upcoming fashion designer, as I didn't know most of what I know and use today. The task was bumming me, but with my good teammates, I knew I had time. But one day, we got to school and Miss Kane announced that the only dress style she was yet to approve of was for the blue paints. I rushed to her office to find out if she finally accepted the collar and sleeve of my dinner dress. She was confused. She said she thought we chose someone else to represent us because Rebecca went to her with sketches of beautiful dresses and she already approved hers. I walked angrily out of Miss Kane's office to find Rebecca. Luckily for her, I ran into a teammate first. I didn't even realize that I was crying already. I told the girl that Rebecca stole my spot. She was furious too, but it was her that devised the wicked plan with me. We went over to the boys and told them that Rebecca selected her own queen to wear the dress she would make. We secretly planned to humiliate her. She chose a girl called Annika to be the queen while she made that dress for Annika to wear. But my teammates and I already decided that whatever dinner outfit we finally chose to design, the king and queen would wear matching outfits. We even changed our culture from Rome to Zulu so that Annika would look totally off and Rebecca would be humiliated. The only thing that was left now was for Miss Kane to recognize me as the queen of the gold glitters again. I went to work on my sketch. We finally decided to fuse many dress ideas together. The collar and sleeve were sketched to resemble Sleeping Beauties. The rest of the gown was gotten from different Disney princess characters, but we were careful not to make the slit too high so that Miss Kane would finally approve of ours. When we got to her office, she was kind of confused. She asked us if Annika was not already representing us. We told her it was a personal thing. Nobody selected Rebecca to be the fashion designer, and nobody made Annika our queen. Miss Kane gave one look at our final design and even the Zulu cultural clothes we chose. Instead of exposing parts of our bodies, we created clothes to look like them and still obey the modesty rules in our school. Miss Kane was happy that for the first time in school history, a team chose an African culture to represent. She quickly gave us her approval and told us to work things out with Annika and Rebecca. We all knew it was Rebecca's selfish mind that got Annika to do that, but nobody was going to tell them that we'd changed cultures and that, in fact, 
Miss Kane also approved of our designs. We just let them be, hoping that on pageant day they would be so ashamed. Since that time, I hardly attended classes. Rebecca knew we still got approved because she saw and heard us discussing and plotting together. It wasn't easy to keep that secret. What we did not reveal, though, was that my mother, who was a fashion designer, went to purchase enough fabric for the king and queen so that we could match in every category. At some point, I stopped going to school altogether because most of the elected designers for each team used the home economics lab to sew their clothes. Rebecca was there, making Annika's costume, so I couldn't risk her seeing what we were up to. I stayed at home some days and worked on my dress. The boys used my mom's studio too, when they needed help with some specific areas of their clothes. But mostly their designer Jeff worked at home because he had a sewing machine. Everything was perfect. The day of the exhibition finally came. Miss Kane came to announce to us that she hoped all our dresses are ready, and we gave our response. She, too, could not look at the dresses before the pageant day because it might have affected her judgment as the head judge. She was like Simon Cowell of our school's art exhibition pageant. My mother was very proud of my final work. I felt like a winner already. I was upstairs with my girls getting my makeup done. My makeup artist was a girl named Priscilla. It was also a part of the art exhibition because makeup artists are artists, too. So my team picked the best makeup artist there was in the team. I think Annika made herself up. She must have been chosen by Rebecca because both needed no one else. One could do her makeup and the other made the dress. Whatever, we weren't the least bit concerned about what they were up to. Poor Annika would have to bear the consequences of following Rebecca. It became time for the casual outfit pageant. It was difficult to come up with an everyday wear that was the color gold representing the gold glitters team because gold is an exquisite color. However, since there was no other team with a white theme, we chose white as a complimentary color. I wore a white shirt dress with gold embroidery under the collar and at the two sides of the button with white kicks. My king wore a button-up white shirt embroidered with gold also. He tied a gold sweater around his neck, wore white high-top canvas, and a gold belt. Annika simply wore a good dress with sandals. When it came time to come out, The announcer said that for the first time in the arts exhibition pageant history, a team decided to represent polygamy. The audience roared and applauded as we stepped out. It was quite obvious that in that polygamous home, there was a more loved wife, the one who wore the same clothes as her husband. It was me, of course. As we strutted down the aisle, hand in hand, both mine and Annika's mother rushed out with iPads, taking pictures of their daughters. I saw the obvious annoyance in Annika's mother's face. Nobody told her. She was not expecting to be the mother of the less-loved wife. Annika sincerely looked out of place on the stage that day, and if that was how the casual category looked, I waited for how obvious the contrast of the cultural category would be. After posing, the panel of judges asked some important questions about the making of our clothes. I commented on every process, including the sketching and the people involved in it. After that, they asked the king. Somehow, Annika was ignored, or they probably thought I was the maker of both dresses. Anyway, Rebecca did not get recognized for her work. From the cultural category, I got dressed in my makeshift dressing room. People in my class rushed in telling me how beautiful I looked. I could not have paid attention to the judges while I strutted down the stage, so I needed someone to tell me whether the judges were impressed or not. They gave positive feedback on the judges' facial expressions. 
Then, one of them started talking about Annika. Her whole family was there and they were grossly embarrassed. Someone actually went to tell Annika not to dress up for the next category. Her mother was there. Given the amount of money she spent on fabric and makeup products, she shouted back that nothing would prevent her daughter from getting on the stage. The thing is that somebody already told Rebecca ahead of time that we were doing an African culture. They didn't know which culture, but she told Annika's mother to buy an African cultural attire. Whatever it was, it was not Zulu. We never got to see the clothes that Annika's mother picked out because someone who cared about her reputation hid the outfit to stop her from going on stage. So when the second session was called, we couldn't wait for Annika anymore. We just laughed and got on stage. Honestly, I was stressed out about the whole problem. Annika's mother was getting adamant on getting her on stage no matter what. She was not giving up. So when we were answering questions on our cultural outfit on stage, how long it took to make it, the general cost, and everything else they asked, Annika was getting into her evening dress. When we got back from the cultural category, the entire backstage was in disarray. Annika was openly crying away her makeup and cursing Rebecca out for making her do it. I could have pitied Annika a bit, but the truth was that they were both involved in the process of going behind the entire team's back, thinking they could steal the show. It was time for the third and final category. Alas, Annika had cried so much she couldn't fix her makeup and get on stage. I walked on the runway holding my king in one hand and a rose that matched his pocket square in the other. I smiled so much. It was evident to the audience that something was particularly amusing to me. The highlight of the day was when I leaned over to give the king a peck. I don't know what overwhelmed me. He wasn't even expecting it. But that single moment was captured by my mom on her iPad while Annika and Rebecca were getting scolded by Annika's mom backstage. The moment we were all waiting for came. All the kings and queens were arranged on stage. We all wore beautiful dresses and suits. All our makeups were on fleek. We waited for the winner to be announced. Even while waiting, my smile was not fake. I thought it could never have been whiter until they called my name as the winner of the art exhibition pageant. The winning king and queen were to receive our crowns and sash while the school photographers struggled to take the best shot of us. If Rebecca and Annika were not already humiliated, winning the pageant surely killed their spirits. I mean, they deserved every little bit of this. This was a group project and they decide, nah, I deserve the limelight. Going behind their backs and doing that all, trying to get away with it is, first of all, really dumb because obviously you're going to course. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Bond with the person arranging the pageant multiple times right in the days leading up to it. There was no way that they could sneak around with this and get away with it. 
that said, our next story is, my friend got jealous and paid the price. Adam, Toby, and I had been friends for since I was a little boy. We'd grown up together in the suburbs of Baltimore and had done almost everything together. Adam lived next door. We had met when my family moved in and instantly hit it off. His parents had welcomed my family as we pulled in. They had known of our arrival in advance and had suggested that I spend time with Adam while they helped my parents move things in. So I spent a long time with Adam and his sister, Mariah. It turns out Adam and I shared a lot of interests, especially our love of Pokemon. He showed me his collection of Pokemon action figures, and we talked about our favorite and least favorite Pokemon. Adam also told me about school and said he really hoped my parents would enroll me at the same school as him. He really didn't have many friends and hoped that we'd be able to go to school and come back from school together. That evening, Adam's family invited us to have dinner with them, and as we ate and talked, a beautiful friendship started to form between my family and theirs. As Adam had hoped, my parents enrolled me at the same school as Adam. And so every day we'd go to school together and we'd got to spend a lot of time together. We always had lunch together and we were almost always together. We became best friends and we were basically inseparable. A few months after I moved in though, we met Toby. He was a new kid in school and had apparently moved to town with his mother from Los Angeles. Adam was very interested in knowing what LA was like. So at lunch we'd all sit down together and Toby would tell us some of the craziest stuff he had seen and done in LA. We found out he lived pretty close to us, a couple of streets down, and we basically just became a trio. Not only would we go to school together, but outside of school, we hung out together literally almost all the time. In fact, Adam and Toby were so close to me that my parents actually let them know where the emergency spare key was in case they needed to stop over while everyone else was away. Toby's mom, who was absolutely splendid, would always make us tasty meals and the best chocolate chip cookies on the planet. At Adam's house, we'd take turns playing FIFA against each other. We held no secrets and we tried our best to support each other, even lying to protect each other from trouble. As we grew older, though, some of life's reality started to show, and it was one of these issues that would proceed to change the dynamic of my friendship with Adam and Toby forever. Baltimore has its fair share of gang problems, and I unfortunately managed to get myself involved with a gangster. Now, to be clear, by get involved, I don't mean that I wanted to get into it, but I unknowingly befriended a gangster. Let me tell you how it happened. During summer vacation after 10th grade, I decided to get a job to help me save up for a new phone and a skateboard. My dad and I had a deal. By the end of summer vacation, for every dollar I saved, he'd give me another dollar. It was a pretty sweet deal in my opinion, plus it incentivized me to want to work. So I got a job working at an ice cream shop downtown. One day, a customer walks in as we're about to close and asks for a double scoop of plain vanilla ice cream. He seemed about my age, but slightly taller. As I work on the order, he and I get talking about a basketball game. It turns out we're both fans of the same NBA team. When the time comes for him to pay, it turns out he's a quarter short. Not wanting to make a fuss about it, I tell him, it's fine, he can pay what he has. It's a quarter anyway and it's closing time, so I just paid the extra quarter and closed for the day. Before the customer leaves though, he thanked me and says he owes me one. I didn't think too much about it and I went home. I had completely forgotten about that customer until I saw him again a couple of days later. He once again thanked me for the last time and after once again getting two scoops of vanilla, leaves a very generous tip for me. After that, he became a pretty regular customer, sometimes coming in twice a day. Soon we were on a first name basis, his name was Tyson, 
One day after my shift, he invited me to come hang out with him and his dudes. I had nothing else to do for the day, so I agreed to follow him. The moment I saw Tyson's friends though, I knew I had made a big mistake. Now, I know a gang when I see one. In fact, I had had contact with a couple of them before, but not directly. My parents had also done their best to educate me on how to deal with gangs and gangsters. Their rule was simple, get out of there. Being so close physically to the gangsters made me very nervous. I told Tyson I didn't feel comfortable and I wanted to go home. Someone heard me and started teasing me, asking if I was an undercover police officer. That only made me feel even more nervous. I knew that I had to leave immediately, but I didn't want to look suspicious. Just when one of the gangsters was starting to harass me, suddenly Toby popped up out of nowhere and grabbed me by the arm. I was still scared and I was confused, wondering what Toby was doing here, but I'd never been happier to see him. He muttered, let's go home. And then one of the gangsters stood in his way and asked him what he thought he was doing. Toby looked the guy in the eye, cocked his head and said he and I were leaving. I don't think I've ever seen anyone be that bold. He didn't even flinch. After a brief stare down, the guy in our way moved aside and told us to keep walking. It was only when we had gotten a safe distance away that Toby finally gave a deep sigh of relief. He was shaking. Apparently he had seen me walking with Tyson and had been curious, so he followed. When he saw that I was in trouble, he acted instinctively trying to get me out of the situation. If he hadn't been there, who would have known what would have happened? When I got home, I told my parents and Adam what had happened. My parents decided that perhaps it wasn't a good idea to continue working at the ice cream shop, but I insisted. It took a lot of convincing to prove that I wasn't going to be in any real trouble. Tyson never showed up at the shop again. After the incident with Toby, I became much closer with him than I was with Adam. The fact that he had quite possibly saved my life was not something I took lightly. I began to spend more time with just Toby without Adam that I actually started to feel a bit guilty. We were all still best friends anyway. I did notice that Adam was starting to get a little jealous though. For one, he started ignoring Toby and not inviting him over anymore. He'd also ask us to hang out, tell me he had called Toby, but that he, Toby, was busy in a bit to get me to spend more time with him. Eventually, Toby noticed what was going on and confronted Adam about it. Adam had claimed they were just coincidences and he didn't mean to try to cut Toby off. After that, he seemed to mellow down a bit and we seemed to mostly go back to how we were before, before the whole incident with the gangsters. Just when it seemed like we had gotten a semblance of normalcy, things got a little more complex when Mariah, Adam's older sister who was in the 12th grade, started catching feelings for Toby. Mariah was very straightforward about it too. She had dragged Toby to the parking lot after school and told him she liked him. When he stood there shocked, she had grabbed him and kissed him and then she just walked away. When Toby talked to me about it, he told me he had never really considered dating Mariah before, but he was warming up to the idea. In reality though, he had a lot more to consider than just whether he wanted to date Mariah or not. Toby was in a bit of a pickle. If he rejected Mariah, there was no way she wasn't going to get back at him and it would most certainly affect his relationship with Adam and his family. On the other hand, if he decided to date Mariah, it could upset Adam to the point where he'd decide he didn't want to be friends with Toby anymore. After a lot of consideration, we decided that the best thing to do was to tell Adam. When we told Adam, he seemed shocked for a second. When he finally could talk, he asked why we thought to ask him. Toby replied to him saying that he didn't want anything to negatively affect their friendship. 
After another moment of silence, he muttered that Toby could do whatever he wanted to do and he walked away. That wasn't a good sign. And so Toby told Mariah he would think about her proposition while he tried to soothe things with Adam. The thing was, Adam started to act very jealous again. I honestly could understand, to be honest. First, Toby had taken the position of best friend from him, and now he was considering also dating his sister. However, we weren't talking about a random stranger here. This was our buddy who we did almost everything with. I decided to intervene, and one day I decided to talk to Adam about it. However, when I went over to Adam's, I was told that he'd left for Toby's. I cycled over there, and as I pulled in, I was greeted with a sight I thought I'd never see. Adam beating our friend up with a stick. I was absolutely shocked. I rushed over and had to tackle Adam off Toby. I grabbed the stick out of Adam's hand and started yelling at him, asking what the heck he thought he was doing. He yelled back, calling me a traitor who couldn't see how Toby was getting in the way. He claimed that we were just perfect before Toby came in and he had just come in to completely mess up our friendship. As if that wasn't enough, Adam accused me of being blind to the fact that Toby wanted to take over and he had decided that enough was enough. Still trying to be peacemaker, I told Adam that what he was saying was completely false. We'd all been friends for years. When Adam himself had a surgery when he had appendicitis, Toby had come in every single day to keep him company, even skipping school once. When Adam and I had mistakenly broken the porcelain urn with Toby's grandma's ashes, Toby had taken the fall for us, getting into a lot of trouble with his mum for it. In fact, Toby had made it a point of duty to carry an inhaler with him at all times. Not because he was asthmatic, but because Adam was. To believe that someone who had shown that he cared deeply for you for years had tried to steal your friend and family from you was just absurd. Adam was too far gone in his delusion though. He said I'd betrayed his trust and friendship by taking Toby's side and that he hated me. He told me he was through with our friendship. If I wanted to be friends with Toby, that was fine, but I couldn't be friends with him at the same time. I was really upset about what he said, but I thought it was just the anger talking. I figured he'd be back to his normal self after a while, but then days went on and Adam completely avoided me. At first I wasn't bothered about it, but over time I started to get very pissed off about it. How dare he act jealous, beat up Toby and now ignore me? I decided that I would get back at him, if not for what he was doing to me, for what he did to Toby. The thing with being best friends with someone is that you know so much about them. I decided to use the knowledge I had of Adam to my advantage. I wrote a letter to one of our teachers, pretending to be Adam, saying all sorts of demeaning stuff to her. Of course, I couldn't sign the letter, that would be too obvious, so I had to think of an ingenious way to draw attention to Adam. Thankfully, I had seen Adam's handwriting a million and one times, and I could replicate it. A little trick that he didn't know I could do. The teacher, Mrs. Harris, reported the letter to the school and they started investigating, trying to find out who had sent the letter. When they matched the handwriting to Adams, there was really nothing he could say to clear his name. He was suspended from school and his parents were so embarrassing, they pulled him out completely and he had to switch schools. I decided to spread the word on the letter to my friends in that school too, so his reputation was ruined too, and he was avoided by just about everyone. Till we left for college, Adam didn't really talk to Toby or me, but I know he really wanted to patch things up. I even pretended not to see a letter of apology he sent me. To make things worse, even though he had cut Toby and I off, 
Toby went on to date Mariah, and he made sure he was in Adam's face about it. Looking back, perhaps my reaction was a little too extreme, but I wasn't the one who had gone on a jealousy-fueled attack on my friends. He got what he deserved. If everything but the one major detail happened, you could say, oh, this was just kids being flare-up dramatic. But considering Adam went and literally was beating on their friend with a stick, it's really hard for you to say, oh, they went too far. I mean, I guess you would hate to see somebody's academics get ruined, but you'd also hate to see that person beat another human up with a stick. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 